All right, welcome to Relationship Goals Week 3. It is good to laugh and good to laugh at even our own mistakes that we can identify with. We have been looking at four parts, and this is part three. We've got four pictures to describe that. In week one, we looked at Christ-centered. Last week, we looked at kingdom living. Today, we're looking at devil-kicking, and then we're going to look at covenant-keeping. Christ-centered, kingdom living, devil-kicking, covenant-keeping. Keeping. Those are the four areas. They're really broad, sweeping, important areas for us to get a hold of in relationships. Now, this is so important because, well, let's talk about devil kicking. Why are we talking about devil kicking in a relationship series? Well, the reason why is because we have been created for relationships, and the devil hates when these relationships are giving glory and honor to God, and That's what relationships are supposed to do, and so we're going to learn about that. Now, just in case you um, haven't been really in a place where you believe firmly in a devil or believe there's demons or believe there's angels, um, I believe all of those, and the reason why I believe all of those are real is because Jesus believed all of those are real, and I come to believe in who Jesus is, and he rose from the dead. And historically, we look back, and there's good reasons to believe that's true, and so this worldview makes sense to me. So if it's going to come across kind of strange to you because you're not sure that you believe all that, hang in there with us and keep listening because I think it'll be important information to help you out. So in relationships, relationships go through these cycles, and so we are all created for relationships, and we're all in relationships, but they often go in the cycle that's like this, oh... I like him or I like her, and we kind of jive together. And so you start in this enchantment phase of a relationship. Now, once you spend some time together, there's not everything you like about everybody all the time. And so you go from enchantment to the disenchantment phase. And in the disenchantment phase, you have a decision to make. Are you going to continue on this relationship and go through the maturity phase where it deepens and sweetens even though you know each other's foibles? Well, that's a good word. I didn't use that yet. Foibles. And continue on, or are you going to go through, let's call it the immaturity stage, where you start to kind of poke and prod, and the relationship sort of gets more distance and disintegrates, and maybe in, no longer in a relationship. So that's kind of the relationship cycle, and we're all in relationships. Now, let's take that cycle up a notch, because it really does kind of rev up in a little pressure when you get married. In a marriage relationship, let's change the words a little bit, but same cycle, you start, we'll call it in the honeymoon phase. In the honeymoon phase, it's still the enchantment phase, but then you go through another phase that's called it's not the honeymoon anymore phase, and that's the disenchantment phase, and then there's this stuff that goes back and forth, and you have the same decision to make whether you're going to go this direction towards maturity through the disenchantment where it deepens and sweetens, or you're going to go through the immaturity phase where you start to pick and prod and poke, and it's going to start to disintegrate on you, and then you literally sometimes let the relationship be destroyed. Those are the phases. Now, let me take you another notch. Let's call it a ministry relationship. I'll just describe it in my life. I entered into the ministry. I began to see God at work as I described the reality of an unseen God, and people start to experience that reality, and they start to, their lives literally begin to change. And it's so exciting to be a part of that and watch God at work. It's the enchantment phase of ministry. And then, boy, lives are messy. Grace is messy. They're forgiven, but they're all messed up. And 
and I'm messed up, and we're walking through life kind of messed up, but coming into the grace of God and trying to understand what to do with it, that's the disenchantment phase. And then you got a decision to continue on. And if you continue on in ministry, by the grace of God, you start to see the Spirit of God filling, even in the messed up situations, walking with people through the messes, and then it's amazing. The church just starts to grow through kingdom grace. And you know what phase you enter into next in ministry? War. All right. This is what we're talking about. Because now I'm about to say something that's the most important thing I've said yet. Every follower of Jesus Christ, in every relationship they have, whether they know it or not, are in a ministry relationship. Now let me describe ministry. That's a big Bible word for serving to the glory of God, okay? So when we come before God and we're serving God and receiving his light, his love, his grace, and we're receiving all that, his kingdom comes down over us in this kingdom living kind of situation. In this kingdom living, he's king and I'm following him as king. And he is literally overtaking this rebel world, establishing his kingdom where there's the kingdom of darkness with a devil who used to be the highest angel in heaven, but because he wanted to aspire to being like God himself, and he saw these human beings, and he was supposed to serve them, he says, I'm not serving those skin bags. There's nothing to them. It's like they don't have any power like I have, and yet you honor them in a greater honor than me. I'm not serving them. I'm going to tempt them. And he established a kingdom with fallen humanity to follow him. And in that Growing kingdom of darkness, he throws muck and mire all over these creatures that from God's perspective were greater than any angelic being because they were created in his image to glorify him in the very beings they're created. Now they're all covered over in mud and the whole world is a rebel world and the king has come to save the rebel world. Now we have a clash of kingdoms. He established a small kingdom that's growing and growing and growing with followers of Jesus Christ who experience the light of God and they're in a clash of kingdoms. We all are. The devil still wants to destroy every relationship that gives honor to God in the way we serve. And so he's going to mess it up so that we will dishonor God in our relationships. So it's really, really important that we get a hold of how to be devil kicking. This is really, really huge. So if you came here today and you're in a little bit of relationship pain, because your relationships are going through the disenchantment. Maybe you had a fight on the way over here, and then you got out of the car and put on your happy face. I'm at church. Hi, how are you? Doing great. And you're pretending a little bit because inside you're just dying inside. And you're in relationship pain. Here's what I want to say to you. The pain that you are experiencing is not just caused by the person that you came with and were in relationship pain from, you thought. There's something more sinister going on because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the powers of darkness that have incited this difficulty and created some of our own messes that create this difficulty and we've got to figure out how to get past that. Would you like to hear more? 
then we need to jump into the Word of God that teaches us how to find the light that displaces darkness and what that looks like when we live it out. We're going to jump into a classic passage about the armor of God. That's why you've got some armor on the picture there. It's Ephesians 6. We're going to start verse 10, read through verse 20, and then just kind of do some explaining. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, even at the tail end of this section we just read, we're given a little bit of the background. He is in chains, Paul is, as he's writing. He is chained uh, to a, a Roman soldier, And perhaps that Roman soldier is wearing right in front of him the armor that he's using as a metaphor to describe a more powerful kingdom with more powerful soldiers, with the ability to withstand the entire Roman army coming against them. We need to battle with armor on us. But he's using metaphor to describe how to put protection on your life to displace this darkness. Point number one. Wake up. Wake up. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So what am I saying when I say wake up? If you've been going through life thinking that what you see is all there is and there really isn't this unseen kingdom, wake up. If you've been ignoring the powers of darkness as well as ignoring God, wake up. There's a heavenly realm. And this is really weird here where it talks about the last against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, the next phrase is what really messes with you, in the heavenly realms. Wait, there's evil in the heavenly realms? What? I thought heavenly realms were heaven. Come on. He's describing the unseen realms, a dimension that we cannot see, where God is in an unseen realm, there's demons in an unseen realm, there's angels in an unseen realm, and there's a war going on, and we are in the middle of this war. Wake up. That's what he's describing right there. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, say the two words loudly with me. Be alert. Wake up. Don't go on thinking like, no big deal. We're in this fight. We'll get past it. And you don't even realize there's something behind the fight. Rather than get mad at your person you're mad at, figure out what's going on. Why are you mad? Why are you so mad? Why are they mad? And it's probably, there's something else going on here. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. After you wake up, point number two, look up. 
So you got to wake up. You got to not be not thinking there is that dimension, but there's another danger than ignoring the kingdom of darkness. That's one danger. Another danger is to be, oh no, what? Demons are real? Oh. And then you go, is that a demon that did that? Am I sick because of that demon? Did that just happen because of a demon? Did that parking space get taken because of a demon? And on and on and on, you get demon focused. No, 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 no. The reason why I say wake up, then look up is don't Get distracted on demons. Always keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. As you open yourself, your heart open before him, you're letting in the light and life and truth of the Lord Jesus and the grace that he offers you. And as his kingdom comes over you, into you, and through you, you have the power you need. If you focus on, if you're literally going, you devil, I'm going to kick you, kick you. I'm focusing on the devil. That's not how you win. Focus on the Lord. It's his strength that you need to win. So we read Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You do this on your own, dead meat. You don't have what it takes to stand up to a devil, a demon, ruler, principality on your own. Look up, look up. It's in the Lord that you have strength in his mighty power. After you wake up, then you look up. Point number three, wash up, wash up. Ephesians 4.27 says, and do not give the devil a foothold. If the devil has a foothold, he's taken some ground in your life only because you gave it to him. He's taken some dirty ground. There was a foothold there. Some dirty ground was his. He grabbed it, and now he's going to take more. From that dirty ground, he's going to be able to take more because it's like a stain that spreads. You allow a stain, and the stain's just taking more and more ground, and he is now establishing a kingdom of darkness inside of you, and you are designed to be the kingdom of light. But you've given ground to the power of darkness, and now with a foothold, he is now gaining more ground. Don't give him a foothold. How do you keep from giving a foothold? You wake up, you look up, you wash up. Now, what I'm doing here is changing the metaphor. We have this metaphor of armor that Paul is using as he's looking at a Roman soldier making connections between how to protect yourself. And I've run into a lot of believers that they put on the armor of God by simply declaring the armor of God as if declaring it makes you wear it. It might be helpful to your faith to memorize it, declare it, to know it's there and put your faith and strengthen your faith in the realities behind the metaphor. But I'm taking a different metaphor so that you can take your life through a daily routine that you're very familiar with every day you wake up. And I want you to put it in a metaphor that's like this. I wake up, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look up. I'm going to wake up, be alert to the fact that there's realms I cannot see, and I'm going to look up to the realm that I cannot see, which is God himself. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he earnestly rewards those who seek him. That's Hebrews 11.6. You've got to believe in the reality, look up to that reality, seek, 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 seek that reality. He fills you with his presence and your faith increases as you trust him more and more and you are going to wash up. So in my day, I literally go through this routine physically. You go through this routine spiritually as well. 
Now, in the wash-up routine, physically, I literally have to take off my glory, and now I'm kind of vulnerable, and I'm going to wash up. You do the same spiritually. You take off the glory. There's no hiding from God. You confess your sin in the raw nakedness of your own vulnerability, and God is faithful to forgive you of your sins if you confess them before him and seek him in grace. Wash up. Don't give the devil a foothold. If you don't wash up, he grabs this and he's going to grab more. And he's going to grab more until that kingdom, that stain grows in you. Point number four, after you wake up, look up, wash up, you dress up. And here's where we got the armor. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth. That's the first one for a reason. It holds others in place. It holds a breastplate in place. It hangs the sword in place. It holds you together. And we're not talking about a belt. We're talking about the truth that God gives to us that we're going to wrap around our lives and hold everything together so that you have the strongest power to defeat the most used strategy of the enemy, which is deception. You defeat deception with the truth. Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers had battle cleats. They weren't just sandals. Battle cleats so they can get footing in bloody mire. They don't want to slip in all the blood and get killed themselves. They had battle cleats. That's how they would win in victory. But look at our shoes Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're ready to talk about the peace that God has brought my life. It's so great. It's changed me. And we run right to the battle. And how is the battle won? We're not bludgeoning and killing people on the wrong side that don't believe in God. We're literally going, you got to get a hold of this. This is such great news. And we literally take people out of the kingdom of darkness. They say, I want to experience that too. And they transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of light grows and grows and grows. And the kingdom of darkness diminishes. And we win victories through the gospel. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and he is going to aim at you. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. It's an offensive weapon. It's not enough to carry a Bible on the iPhone. Not enough to carry a big heavy Bible, a study Bible. I got a big one. No. How much of it's committed to your heart? How much are you able to wield like a sword, like train for battle? How much can you pull out and quote right when you're tempted, the way Jesus was able to pull out and quote when he was tempted? Some of us have one verse memorized, and we poke with a toothpick. Get away. (laughs) I want a big, broad sword, man. Back off and have the tools that can do the battle that'll win. Wake up, look up, wash up, dress up, and number five, stand up. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground against the devil's schemes. Here's a little quote to get us thinking. Don't be deceived by the devil's voice telling you that your sin has little or no consequence. I want to let you know something. The devil's voice will often sound just like your own voice. 
and your own voice will say things like this. I'm not hurting anybody. This thing really satisfies. It's what makes me happy. That's what I really, really enjoy. I feel like that's what I've been made for. But if it's against the will of God, it's a lie. I don't have a problem. I could quit at any time. Those voices that sound so much like yours are not really yours if they're deceptive. They're the schemes of the enemy and deception is being stated. Peter, when he confessed that Jesus was the Christ, Jesus said, hey, blessed are you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. Peter came up with a revelation that came from an outside source he couldn't see. And then moments later, when Jesus said he was going to go to the cross, Jesus says, Satan, get behind me, because Peter was trying to stop him from going to the cross. And Satan was using Peter's words now to keep Jesus tempted to aim for glory without the serving humility, without the cross in his path. Everything you think and everything you say is not just what you thunk. Be careful, because the enemy will deceive you, and you think it's your own thoughts. You think it's logic. You can't win with logic and wit. Then win with the truth that comes from God. Jesus gives us truth. He says in John 8, 34, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Just get at that a little bit. I put it on the screen. If you don't turn to God, a little sin always leads to more sin, then bigger sin, then bondage to sin. That little stain that you allowed to stain you because you went for it, and now your stain, it's growing, and it's going to be no longer a little sin, it's going to become a bigger sin. This bigger sin is going to grab more, and you're going to grab more unless you turn to God for help. It's going to grab more until you're in bondage to sin, and you can't get out no matter how hard you try until you turn your life over to God. Ephesians 5, 3 says, but among you... There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. What? It's no big deal. I didn't do anything. I haven't hurt anybody. Not even a hint. Oh, we're not sleeping together. We're just not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of of impurity. I read this last week that 60% of the divorces now can trace the early causes to pornography. 60%. Oh, what's the big deal? It's just a picture. It's just a screen. Oh, you're shaping you. You're shaping your lusts. You're shaping your body. You're shaping how your body responds. You're not giving glory to God with what he has given you to glorify God the way he has designed you to give glory to God. And you're all twisted up and you don't even know it with these hints. It's the little hidden things that the devil wants you to think and do that eventually makes you into someone that the people closest to you will despise. The converse is also true. It's the little hidden things God wants you to think and do that eventually make you into someone that the people closest to you will love and admire. Jesus said, in John 8, 31 through 32, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's probably a number of people in this room that aren't sure they believe Jesus yet. They're not sure they believe Jesus is the ultimate Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the 
son of God who has all authority in heaven and on earth. They're not sure they believe that yet. Jesus said, do you want to be sure? Would you like to know that this is real? If you want to be sure, absolutely know for certain sure, here's what you do. Look at the verse. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know. You will experientially know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You might try it on a dare and see if holding the truths of Jesus really works. The more you hold on to it, I'm not saying, all right, I'm going to carry a Bible from this point forward. I'm going to hold the truth. No, no, no. We're talking about hold the truth. Learn his truth. Commit his truth to memory. Live out his truth in such a way you're doing all you can to live the way Jesus says to live. You're going to discover this is a greater reality than everything you've experienced before. This is joy you've never experienced before. This is a reality that says this is true. I know this is true. And you can start without believing it and discover this is reality. Okay, I'd like to give that a shot. Where do I start? Let me make a recommendation. Since we're talking about spiritual battle, why don't you start with what Jesus taught his disciples when they said, how do we, how do we pray like you pray? Look it up in Matthew 6, and he describes how to pray. A simple, short prayer. Hold to it. Commit it to memory. Begin to pray it, not as a memorized prayer, but as an outline. He's teaching you how to pray. I know people who have written books about praying. This prayer. Father in heaven, holy is your name. God, you're greater and mightier and more white-hot holiness. You're the brightest of light that displaces all darkness. You loved me enough to send your son. I can't believe it. Use it as an outline. Father in heaven, Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, down into my life, through my life. Change the darkness. Displace the darkness inside of me. Change me, Lord. Help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my world. And expand it out from there. Give me today my daily bread. I need this today. I need to be able to do this today and lay it out before God. Forgive me my sins. Lay out your sins and help me to be a forgiver like you're a forgiver to me. Lead me not into temptation. Don't let me even go the first step. Don't even get close. Let me not even avoid every hint. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And yet we, some of us, ignoring the prayer, will say, take me as close as possible to the line where I cross the line and then rip me out before I cross the line. It doesn't work that way. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Commit that, hold it, begin to pray it every day and watch the light displace the darkness and then build from there. Would you let me pray for you? Father God, we are so grateful that you sent your son Jesus to absorb all our darkness, to take it away from us, to then conquer our darkness and our death and to release life and light to displace all the darkness in our lives and in our relationships, bring glory and honor to your name. Give us your authority, give us your power, give us your strength that we might live for you and honor you. 
Lord, we want this valley to be a place where the kingdom of darkness shrinks and more and more people are experiencing your kingdom and are talking about it everywhere where we begin to see families are healthier, marriages are healthier, crime rates are dropping. Lord, use us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you need prayer today and you would like to cross the line from kind of being stuck in darkness into the kingdom of light, we've got a team that's ready to pray with you over there. If you've got any burden that you'd like some prayer for, they'd be happy to pray for you. I want to see you next week in Covenant Keeping, the last episode of Relationship Goals.